What's up, everyone? We are live. Welcome to Security Squawk Podcast, episode 14. 14. Uh, 8 to 14. Man, I'm going to do my math. Carry the one, two, three months, a little over mm-hmm. three months. Uh, so we're getting a ton of content piled up for you guys in our in our vault. Uh, we have uh, now 13 episodes in there going to be the 14th one now we do put these live on facebook and youtube uh but we also record the audio and post them to all your favorite podcasting platforms itunes spotify google podcasts iHeartRadio, wherever else you uh you get your podcast from uh so if you do listen to us over a podcast just remember to go over to wherever you downloaded us from and and rate us, give us five stars. Uh, And then you can head over to our social media pages on Facebook and YouTube, comment on any of our videos or uh, ask a question or or whatever. So, um, you know, we'd really appreciate it, Andre and I, if you would share out our podcast uh, because this information is valuable to uh, business owners, business leaders, IT managers, anybody who, quite frankly, is not a tech, right? We don't do this channel for techs. We're not giving away tech advice. We're not giving away how to do things, hands-on type stuff. We're talking to business owners about what the hell all this cybersecurity stuff means and what the heck uh, they need to do in order to protect their businesses. And today's topic uh, that we're going to jump right into is what the heck you need to do if you get attacked, right? So uh, before we get into it, welcome to the show. Andre's here. What's up, brother? Hey, good afternoon. Um, how's how's things going with you this week? What's what's new? Well, much better than last week. Every day this week, I've had my little planner, and I put I put my schedule, I put what I'm going to be doing, and I have stuck to it. So this is like been, I've been like so productive. I've only got like 10 emails in my inbox and like things are going really well. So really, really happy about um, sticking to my my goals and, and not if it's not on this paper, I, I delegate it or I, I say no. Pretty, pretty simple. Wow. Yeah. It's a big breakthrough, dude. That's a big breakthrough. Yeah. Um, so congratulations. Thank you. Uh, that's a uh, uh, huge. I like to hear the zero inbox thing. I always, uh, mm-hmm. I always, I always feel like zero inbox is a um, a fantasy that we all all wish to achieve. But um, you know, for the past eight months or so, I've been, you know, really, really with the with the help of a tool called SaneBox, which I absolutely mm-hmm. love. So if you're if you're a CEO, go Google SaneBox, S A N E box. Download it. If you use Microsoft Outlook, use this tool. Actually, you can use it with any platform because it's not a plugin. You actually have to actually have to integrate it with your server. Um, but it's simple to do, and uh, it really streamlines and organizes your email. Gets rid of the junk. Gets the important stuff to the top of the inbox. It's a lifesaver for me. Um, there's no way I would be able to manage my email the way that I do without it. Um, but that being said, I still have to be disciplined around my email because while I might not get thousands of emails in my inbox every day, I still get, you know, probably a hundred or so. Um, most of them are quick look at and deletes, but you know, some of them are, are, uh, ones that I have to deal with and what I do and I'll, I want to share this with everyone because I think it's important. And I think it's a nice life hack. 
At the top of Outlook, if you click on an email, there's a little button at the top. And if it's not there, you can add it. Just Google how to add buttons to your Outlook bar. There's a little button you can click, and it's called Schedule It. Hit Schedule It, and it turns that email into a calendar appointment, as an, and it puts the email as an attachment on the calendar appointment. What I do is I schedule every email I need to re reply to or spend some time on or look into or research or whatever, or go ask somebody a question. I, I put it on my calendar. I usually may schedule it to 10, 15 minutes of my time, put it on my calendar. If it's not on my calendar, it's not going to get done. So that's, that's kind of how I've been doing it. I actually talked to somebody earlier in the week who does it a very similar way. Um, so do you do anything like that? Actually, that was a great tip. I never even knew what that button did. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I'm here for something. There you go. I'll yeah. One or two tips uh, a day. So, um, but yeah, I, I use that religiously. Um, that is how I, um, you know, look, the difference is, is if I can just respond to somebody very quickly, I'll do that, you know, just to get it out of the way. But if it's something that requires me to write, you know, more than a sentence or two, requires me to do any kind of research, look into it. It goes on my calendar. I block the appropriate appropriate amount of time to do that task and I get it done, you know, and, you know, I might not get it done for two or three days, but it's on my calendar and I know it's going to get done. And that's how I keep pretty damn near close to a zero inbox. Um, and only the stuff that's important to me and that leads me to my goals and, uh, you know, gets me to where I want to go, gets on my calendar. And, you know, so certain things may sneak on, but they're the things that I'm allowed to move around and push to next week and stuff like that. So, you know, if anybody wants any tips on that, let me know. Um, just drop it in the comments on our Facebook group, which is our Facebook page, which is the uh, Cyber Security Squawk, the Cybersecurity Podcast. So uh, anything you want to talk about before we jump into how not to get hacked? No, let's do it, man. Let's jump in. What to do when you yeah, get after, Yeah, afterwards, yep. So I'll set the table, right? You're a business owner. You just had a nice day, nice morning golfing, right? <laughs> <laughs> you come into the office on your way home because you want to stop in and, you know, check, e check email and do email, say hi to everybody. You walk in the door. And I don't know, your assistant has this look of death on her face as she tells you your entire computer system is locked and nobody can access anything. And now your awesome day that you just had on the golf course just went to shit. So what does that mean? Uh, and we're going to talk about that today, you know, because a lot of business owners, that's the reality. Everything's running fine, and then one day they hear they have a problem, and now they're punched in the face, as I like to say, by a hacker, and now they have to deal with this cyber attack, <laughs> and a lot of companies don't think about this stuff ahead of time, and we're hoping that this podcast today will get you guys to start thinking about this stuff ahead of time, because Thinking about it after the fact or while you're in the midst of attack and, and dealing with all the things that need to be dealt with while you're in the middle of a cyber attack is, is really the worst time to do it. So expand on what I just said there, Andre, because I know you, you have good insight and experience on this. What, why, what, what happens when you walk through the door and your administrative assistant now tells you every computer in the company has ransomware. Take a business owner through what that looks like re real realistically um, and why we're kind of going to go into this discussion about planning and what they, what they need to plan for and what they need to be considering uh, as part of the plan. So, what is a what goes on in a business the moments after a cyber attack? I have actually seen it because I've had uh, new customers where basically they're calling us about maybe a couple of hours after. So essentially what happens is the owner 
you're probably like, nah, this can't be true. You go to your, they go to the computer, they move the mouse, they try to open up a Word document and it's, it's scribbly. It's just, you know, it, it, it may even say a message that your computer has ransomware. So then from there, you quickly go to another computer and to another computer and you just like realize, oh my gosh, like my files are encrypted. From there, the phones are ringing. No one's really paying attention to the phones. Maybe you have a database that your customers use. Your employees are now all looking at you and everybody's looking at you because they can't work. And now you're in a predicament of like, holy crap, what do I do next? And then from there, typically what happens is they pick up the phone and if they have an IT person, they, they call the IT person and they say, you know, we have a backup, right? And uh, that's then then that's when the real story begins. Yeah, I don't I don't even know if <laughs> I don't even know if uh, business owners think clear enough to even say, you know, do we have a backup? I think the phone call is just to the IT guy saying, you know, we got hacked and you need to deal with this. <laughs> um, and and that's probably the worst thing to do as a as a business owner and a leader. Um, making sure that you have this plan and thought out ahead of time is how a business leader should be approaching things like this. Um, too much gets forgotten uh, out of memory when you try to do this stuff on a whim um, without a plan, a good, pl a solid plan written down and and somewhere to go, everyone to go. Uh, the reality of it is, is that your your operation shouldn't wait for the business owner or the decision maker when these events go down. You should be well prepared where the individuals who are working in your company on a day-to-day -day basis are able to handle or begin handling this stuff for you. Um, so I guess the point for me here is, is that... Um, High stress situations usually aren't the best times for for clear decision making. That's usually when most business owners make mistakes when they can't think clearly. Um, I know that that's true with just you know business planning when you're under a lot of stress, when you're when when your brain's kind of living in the past and living in the future as to oh my god what happened and what's going to happen and you're and you're your body's in the present, but your mind is elsewhere. It's, it's much harder to think clearly and make good decisions. And these plans help you make the right decision when you're faced with them. So one of the first things that I want to talk about in this topic of what you should be doing to what you should be doing when a cyber attack happens in your business is let's just start right off the bat with with the big question that all businesses need to be asking themselves. But the very first question that anybody who needs to know, especially if you're like an outside company and you're coming into a situation, like you're helping somebody with a ransomware incident response, what what's the first thing that in your mind that, that a business owner needs to do, Call who they need to call? first or what scenario pops up first in your mind that a business owner absolutely needs to consider before they do anything? I would call IT. For me, I would call IT. Okay. Um, for me, it's a little different. Um, I would call the insurance company, but I would, but obviously, and I kind of what I was asking there is if you have cyber insurance, mm -hmm. You got you got to call your your insurance company first. Your IT might, guy might not know this, might not know that he can't really touch your systems until the insurance company has done their part and wrapped up what they need to do. Again, this is only if you have cyber insurance. If you don't have cyber insurance, you're not covered anyway. There's no claim to be filed. You just have to proceed forward with working with your IT uh, person or your IT company in order to move forward on this situation. But if you do have cyber insurance, if this is something that you've made an investment in for your business 
for the for the day that you potentially are dealing with a with a cyber attack, the very first call you need to make there is to your insurance company. They're going to call the shots for the first probably week week and a half of the cyber attack. And the very first thing that they're going to do is they're going to tell you, get the systems off the internet, get them off the network, isolate either the ones that were affected, or if the whole entire network was affected, you're basically just disconnecting the whole entire network from the internet. Um, so getting the devices that were impacted, whether it's one, 10, 20, or the whole entire company, the very first thing any you know cyber insurance company is going to tell you is get them off the internet until our forensic team can get there don't power them off don't you know don't do uh don't move them don't try to start doing any kind of recovery or or investigation as to what happened just make sure that access from the internet is completely disabled from these machines because the internet is the key to a lot of these hacks going down so if you take that away the hacker can no longer get into your systems yes that means you're going to be down your 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 network's going to be down your um you know anything that touches the internet you might have web servers you might have email that's all going down until you come out of this um you're probably looking at about nine to 14 days before realistically, unless you have a good backup plan and there's a good resilience with you know certain services that are critical to your business, like if you deem your website critical to sales or, or to the service delivery, or if you deem your emails critical uh, to sales or service delivery, those things are going to be offline. Those things are going to go down. And it's better that you know this now as a CEO than to get hacked and then somebody be like, you know, you're like, well, you know, as a CEO, you're just like, get us back up and running. We need to make money. But the reality of it is, is you're going to have an IT person or you're going to have a, uh, a, a insurance person tell you you're not going to be able to connect to the internet for like two weeks and your email is going to be down uh, and your website's going to be down and everything's going to be down uh, until we go through this process of, collecting information to determine what happened, how they got in, you know, what they have access to, what what needs to be secured, you know, and protected again. Um, and then they're going to move into once they know that, and that could probably take about a week for them to do a forensic investigation. Then they're going to tell an insurance adjuster to come in and, and cut you a check, you know, and that guy might take, three, four days to evaluate the damage to the business and all that stuff. And only then after the insurance adjuster, then they're going to come in and, and probably do another once over, make some recommendations and then tell you, you can proceed with your recovery process. And, and that's what I want to focus the rest of our talk on is what the hell this recovery process looks like after the insurance company gets out of there and, and they and they cut you a check because um, I think that that's more insightful than what I just laid out in terms of cyber insurance. But I think it's important for business owners to understand that they don't call the shots when cyber insurance kicks in. So when you file that claim for cyber insurance, the cyber the, ins the insurance company calls the shots at least for the initial part of the attack. Um, if you have ransomware, they, they will hire the ransom negotiator who has experience negotiating with these groups. They, they, they know them by name, probably. Hmm. Um, they will negotiate the ransom on your behalf. If they end up paying the ransom on your behalf to get your files unlocked, that might be part of the strategy. But um, it's a good segue for when I say, like, the files unlocked, because a lot of business owners think, I, I got ransomware. I got I just paid and got my files unlocked, and then they think they're good. Can you help our listeners understand that that's not the case? And when you have ransomware, I look at it like if you get ransomware, you're starting over. Yeah. 
So I don't know if you have the same perspective. I'll share my perspective after you share yours. But at the end of the day, whether you paid the ransom or not, let's educate the audience on what the recovery process and timeline actually looks like and what really needs to be done to make sure that you don't leave something behind from this initial attack. Yeah, and it's exactly what you just said, leave something behind because once that ransomware happened, you don't know what else this malware did. Did it leave some type of residue? Did it leave some type of back door? Um, and first of all, how did it how did it happen? So I'm assuming the insurance company, their people are gonna figure out which way did they come in. So now that you have one compromised system or many compromised uh, systems, and when I say systems, I'm talking about like computers. For me, it's automatic a format and reinstall, which where you're taking and and I would even go to the extreme of just putting in a new hard drive. But um, but at minimum, uh, where you format your hard drive, which is just basically wiping it straight out and then reinstalling the windows or re-imaging however your, however your company works and essentially starting from scratch and then reloading the programs, emails, et cetera. Yep. So, I mean, I agree with that. Um, I, might, I might be a little bit more hardcore um, in terms of the recovery process, um, you're, but you're spot on. Too much can be left behind on the existing system. And here's the other thing. If you got hacked, the only way for you to know if your systems don't have what Andre mentioned, like a backdoor or some kind of residual issue from the initial attack, the only way for you to know this is if you have the proper monitoring and logging turned on before the event happened. If you don't have this stuff turned on, and you're not monitoring your networks for who's accessing things and how they're getting into things. And quite frankly, unless you are a trained professional and know how to go in and turn all this stuff on and 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 set it up for logging, if you, if somebody if you just hired somebody to come in and install something or they didn't really know what they were doing, they they knew how to get it set up to the point where you know your computers would talk um, and you could get out on the internet but they may not have turned on like advanced logging to the point where they can see this level of detail. So we walk into clients all the time where we can see that this stuff isn't being actively monitored. So if you're not actively monitoring these things before the event happened, you have no way of knowing whether or not something was implanted during the attack. Mm -hmm. You'll never find it because you don't have the evidence to prove what state it was in beforehand and it's in a clean state or a good state now. So you don't have that knowledge to go back to and compare it. So when you don't have this in place and it's not something you're doing ahead of time, you're making it way more difficult for an IT person or an insurance company to say, okay, you can recover to the same equipment. What's going to happen is they're going to notice that you don't have this 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 monitoring, this logging in place. You don't have people looking after this stuff, and they're going to tell you that you have to buy all new equipment, meaning new firewalls, new switches, new cables, new computers, whatever you have and invested in in technology in your business. You know, since you you know maybe in the last five years. You're going to spend it again in, in about a month. Um, and that's just the reality and what we want to make sure that business owners really understand is when you have a cyber attack, you're basically starting over. You're, you're starting over from square one. Yes, you can wipe systems. Yes, you can use the same hardware. Um, but you have no idea if that hardware had something implanted into it while they were in there. Yeah. Now, Windows is one thing to be attacked, but there are hardware type viruses, you know, or maybe they were able to plug a backdoor into the firmware of your NIC card. So 
you know, you don't know if there's some kind of other vulnerability that existed on your computers that they were able to take advantage of before they deployed this massive attack. So the only surefire way to know that your business is really protected is to start over. Um, so I don't know if you agree with that or disagree with that, but that's kind of my philosophy on a cyber attack and what you need to do uh, as a business to make sure your business doesn't get hacked like in a month after you've recovered, quote unquote, recovered from, you know, your initial cyber attack. So do you have any thoughts on that? Do you disagree? Do you think what I'm saying is too much or? No, no, it's actually spot on. And that's why the statistic is 60% of small businesses go out of business due to damages of a cyber attack. That's mm -hmm. why, because for a business to now be able to afford all of those new computers, you have clients screaming because nobody's answering their emails or they're getting bombarded with emails because, you know, of, of your, one of your employees spamming them, whatever the case is. So um, reputation damage. So there's a lot of things that go in there. So, yeah, no, you're spot on. So, yeah, so one of the things that, that we recommend in order to help with this is, you know, there, there's the recovery standpoint of, hey, I, we were just attacked and yes, we agree, you have to, we have to start over, we have to get all new equipment in here, we can't risk getting hacked again by something being left behind on our old system. So. You've accepted those facts. The reality of it is, here's some good news. You don't really have to replace initially all the equipment with like comparable cost equipment. What I mean by that is, you know, a lot of companies spend, you know, a thousand dollars or more. Our clients probably spend on average about $1,500 per laptop. Let's just call it that. In other words, we're not buying three, $400 laptops for our clients and putting them in front of them. Um, but one of the things you should absolutely do is go on uh, your favorite shopping site, whether it's Amazon, whether you like to still shop at Micro Center or you know, Best Buy, probably the last place I'd tell you to go, but go somewhere and make a shopping list of all the things and if you don't know what to do talk to a technology profession professional who can walk you through this but go through and make a list of all the things that you would want to buy in order to go into this recovery process so if we were going to reconstruct a network from the ground up because a client called our companies and or a prospect or whoever called our companies and they were in a jam and they were dealing with a ransomware attack and now they've gone through the process of you know getting their data back either paying the ransom or coming from backups and now the insurance company has now said okay it company you can move forward with recovering this firm and getting them back up and running so the initial things that we need to think about buying to reconstruct this network, what would be some of the things that, that you would have on your shopping list? Well, uh, definitely the computer, the switch, you would have um, a backup system if it's local. We don't know a backup system quite yet, um, but firewall is the first mm -hmm. thing that comes to mind for me. You mentioned switch. Um, I would say a couple laptops, um, and if not a couple laptops, some hard drives, right? Yeah. So if you're going to take existing equipment, you at least want to get the hard drive, the old hard drive out so you have it for evidence and forensic purposes, and then pop a new hard drive in there and start fresh with a new, you know, Windows and all that stuff. So um, I would say figure out the critical functions or roles in your company and order at least one hard drive or laptop for each critical role, right? So if you have accounting, if you have HR, if you have IT, if you have a C-suite, every one of those departments should have a new computer that they could start with, right? And so this is a shopping list 
that you're going to create. So anything else on your shopping list that, that you can think of, um, I mean, Ethernet cables definitely be one of them. So we got firewall, we got switches. Depending on how many people you have, it might be one or two switches. Ethernet cables, uh, SSD hard drives, and maybe a couple computers. Um, you might want to divvy it up. You might want to buy like, you know, if you need 10 computers, you might want to do like seven, seven computers and three hard drives or five computers and five hard drives. What else should businesses think about getting so they can get up and running as quick as possible. Well, as far as as quick as possible, that's that I think we mentioned all the hardware and then it's a matter of what to do next to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, so um, yeah, just those those are the critical pieces of hardware. Um, I would say you know, maybe even a couple external hard drives, USB hard drives. Um, you know, so you can get files from, you know, maybe one place to another. So a couple external, like not USB flash drives, but the big like one terabyte drives in case you have, mm -hmm. to, you know, a significant amount of data, um, because you don't want to in intermingle the networks, right? You're not going to connect this new ecosystem to the ecosystem that's been compromised. Um, so those are a few things now. I would highly recommend to anybody listening to this podcast, go make this list right now. So go to Amazon or wherever you want to go, Walmart, doesn't matter to me. Put these things in a shopping list. So the day that you are cyber attacked, all you have to do is go to your favorite retailer's website, pull up that shopping list you created and saved, and buy just buy everything on, on that list and have it sent to wherever you're going to, you know, recover from, whether it be your own office or, you know, if you're going to a, a, a warm site or, you know, somebody's home, but have that thing on the ready so you can order it. And then what will happen is it'll take three, four days for Amazon to deliver that to you. And what did I say earlier? It's going to take what? Three, four days for them to do the forensic investigation. Mm -hmm. So forensic investigation is wrapping up, you're, you're receiving the new equipment, right? So if you take away one thing from this podcast today, make your shopping list, have it ready to go. So the day you're cyber attacked, because it probably will happen, you just go right to this list and you buy everything that you put on this list. And everything just shows up at your door. And then because what a lot of people will do is they'll wait until that fourth day to go buy things, right? And this is an easy way for you just to make an easy list and go in and click a button and hit buy. And more than likely, everything that you buy will be covered under your cyber insurance if you had cyber insurance. So everything that you buy as part of this recovery will be covered under cyber insurance. So that's also something to think about. So. Make your shopping list, have it ready, because you don't want to be that guy who said, you know what, I should, when you get a cyber attack and you're like, man, I was listening to Andre and Brian on their podcast and they told me to make a shopping list and I didn't make a shopping list and here I am three days into a cyber attack and I have no idea what to buy. Mm -hmm. So go take five minutes right now, hard drives, computers, ethernet cables, Firewall, switch. If you don't know what firewall and switch to put on your list, call your IT person. Ask them what you should be putting on the list or have them do it for you. So <clears throat> we're now, it, we got our stuff. The, uh, the equipment showed up on time. The uh, adjuster has cut us our check and now we're ready to start trying to get back to normal here kind of in the next uh 10 minutes or so let's educate our audience on what getting back to normal probably will look like well first of all let's talk about the data do we still trust the data even after the ransom is paid uh, or assuming the ransom is paid or or do we still trust that data of the compromised machine 
Well, we don't trust the compromise system. The data is really not where the compromise lives, and it's typically not the the um, entry point, right? You know, nobody, right. nobody's putting in putting a backdoor into like a Word file or a PDF, right? It's more than likely going to be in in a software program or or into or the heart into the firmware of a piece of hardware. So that's why. I mean, I I personally I. I trust the data as long as we know it came, you know, it was either restored from a backup that we know was clean and not affected mm -hmm. or in the event that where we had to pay the ransom, we just know it was a process where the software decrypted the software, right? We we're not, you know, I don't think this has ever happened, but I don't think we know that the data is being exfiltrated off the network before they're deploying the ransomware. But I don't think we've ever seen it where the hackers actually provide the data back, you know, you know, by basically sending it back to the person they took it from. Right, right. Uh, typically, it's just unencrypted with the software. Now, in the case, if this ever did happen, where they were like, oh, we couldn't unencrypt, unencrypt those files, so let, we're just going to send back what we stole from you before we encrypted it. <laughs> Yeah, I would be treating that with kid gloves and I would probably be putting that in an isolated spot and not connecting it to my new clean network um, and make sure that that data is looked at by a professional who knows what they're looking at and can say like, okay, yeah, this, this is okay to use or no, you know, we, we need to go through a process of recreating all this. Mm -hmm. So it was a good point. I mean, it's definitely something uh, somebody who's not on this side of the fence, meaning a, a security professional, how would you know if a PDF file would cause an issue for you down the road? You know, one that you unencrypted. So um, it's a good point. It's a good question. Um, I would definitely rely on the experts in that situation. Um, but a lot of times the data itself is not the problem is not the source of the compromise. It's usually software programs and, and hardware and things like that, which we're setting up all new anyway. So I guess let's take them through, you know, the recovery process over the next two, three weeks, you know, month, right? So we're, we're now in an environment where we have, you know, this kind of for lack of a better term, this uh, triage new network that we set up that's got probably substandard equipment on it um, that we're just using to try to get things back up and running and we're limping along. So as we're limping along, trying to get back to walking and running, what are some of the things that business owners should expect or should be maybe have some awareness around? Hmm. I'm going to go ahead. You can answer that one. I don't like answering my own questions, Andre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is a, it's a real live chat. This is what, you know, we don't practice this and have scripts. So no, no, not at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. No, no. yeah. Um, and my goal is, is to just get, a, you know, a, a, a better perspective from, from our experiences as, as we've gone through both of our businesses. Um, but the reality of it is, is you're still going to have to buy all new equipment, right? So you're going to have to start figuring out how you're going to quickly um, acquire the equipment that you need or have somebody evaluate the hardware to determine if it can be used moving forward. Either way, you're, you're going to spend, you know, you're either going to spend $1,500 to $2,000 on new laptops or computers, or you're going to spend $1,500 to $2,000 on somebody's time to look at this at a level that it needs to be looked at in order to determine uh, whether that machine can be used again. I kind of err on the side of you might as well just buy new equipment because you're, you're only going to save so much money by having somebody look at that old stuff. Mm -hmm. Um <clears throat> The other thing too is is that um, inside of chips in the computer. Now I'm not talking about hard drives. Um, inside of chips, inside of memory modules, inside of all different components inside the computer, information can be stored. 
And a lot of people think that just pulling out the hard drive and destroying the hard drive is good enough for, you know, security and, and proper data destruction, but that's not the case. Um, so don't cause a bigger problem. One of my, one of my uh, things that I would give for advice is don't cause another problem for your business by, by disposing of this equipment that you're going to dispose of improperly. You know, make sure that you have a, a professional uh, recycling company that handles the boards and the circuits and the chips properly. And they're not going to, you know, just throw them in a landfill or put them somewhere or sell them on eBay, for God's sakes. Make sure you know where that's going. Have a chain of custody for when you give it to whoever you're giving it to, that you have an agreement that says, here's exactly what we're going to do with these components once we take them off your hands. Um, and then, you know, hire a reputable company to look at this stuff for you. Hire, hire a reputable company to, to, to look at your systems and hire a reputable company to recycle what you're going to get rid of. Um, and then the other thing is, is that the expense could be, you know, 50, 80, $7,500,000 in just equipment, not in labor for some professional to get all this going for you, right? So how do you come up with this kind of money if you don't have that free cash flow to, to pay, you know, a 75,000, 100,000, depending on the size of your business, that's the minimum you're probably looking at. How do you pay for that? Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can, like we offer financing and leasing through our company. So these are things that may not have been brought to you before that you may need to start considering as you figure out how you're going to move forward um, and, and, and plan for recovery uh, and not have to make the decision to shut your doors. Um, so if you can, if you have good credit, if you can establish that, you know, now there's a very good chance that you can have some kind of an agreement in place or some kind of lease, uh, set up where you're not having to go through all this paperwork like you we can get you set up in our company with an approval for leasing right it doesn't mean you're going to lease anything it just means the bank or the financing company has vetted you and should you ever want to buy equipment the lease option through this finance company is on the table um, this is something you could also do way ahead of time and get this in place so you know you have this in place should you get attacked you're not going to have to write a huge check to get equipment you can lease it and you know you can get seventy five thousand dollars worth of equipment for you know maybe a couple grand a month so you write a check for a couple grand instead of seventy five thousand um, but you don't want to be trying to get a lease when you're on the back end of a cyber attack again get it all in place ahead of time because time is of the essence right you want to get back up as quickly as possible you're already 10 days in two weeks in now you got to go talk to a bank and spend four or five days giving them submitting you know articles of incorporation tax returns whatever they want to see so they're uh so their underwriters can actually approve you um, there's a process involved there and you should go through that now rather than later um, because you're more than likely going to need to finance equipment in order to get back up and running if you're redoing the whole entire thing and you want to recover properly. Um, any any thoughts you want to add to that? No, um, I, I have some other stuff too, because even sure. after you get the equipment, um, mm -hmm. for me, one of the things we are we're always telling our clients is, you know, you know, especially if you can determine how it happened is, you know, change the passwords. You know, check your bank statements to see if there's any type of um, any type of fraudulent. Maybe there was a credit card stored somewhere, and now that credit card is being used. Um, any of the um, another thing too is, as you're mentioning this, is consider even getting some type of uh, business insurance. You know, I think it's called like uh, loss loss of business insurance, where essentially if you are down for that many days. Because I'm thinking for some of our clients, if they're down for that many days, basically the register is not, you know, cha-chinging and they're having to uh, they're having to wait because they, they're on a type of business where 
the customer, it's like a, a retail, you know, they swipe the card and things like that, where maybe our business, you know, for 14 days, we can get by because we're charging on a monthly basis. So also just consider that type of insurance as well, if it applies. A thousand percent, just like you mentioned, like if your, uh, if your POS system is just a computer and you have one credit card machine that goes through a computer or an iPad, get a square machine or mm -hmm. get some mm -hmm. kind of backup process way you can process transactions especially if you're in that retail type setting that that you know b2c uh type business because um you have a lot of different options today than what you had 10 years ago in terms of merchant processing um and to have a backup system like a square or paypal uh where you just plug a reader in, into your phone um can be very convenient uh in, in these situations, right? You can still sell things. You can still conduct business. Um, now, if you're already using Square, you don't have to worry about that. But there's, you know, some pretty, I would say, uh, archaic <laughs> type POS systems out there um, that have been around for a really long time. They're very good. But at the end of the day, um, if your internet goes down, if your computers are, are not available, you can't run transactions. So having a plan to process payments uh, ahead of time, as we is kind of the theme of this uh, podcast today, is do everything ahead of time. Don't try mm -hmm. to pay it out after the fact. Having a backup payment system in place so you can continue to collect money uh, and you're not forcing people to use cash is a is a very smart point if you rely on payment you know, when the transaction happens. So, yeah. All right. So where are we at here? We are 46 minutes and I think we provided a lot of value today, my friend. I think this was very insightful uh, to business owners, at least starting to understand that you can't just pay the ransom and unlock your files and move on with your life. Right. Yeah. That, that's probably the biggest um, the biggest thing, uh, as it's up on the screen right now, uh, if you're watching this, when you have a cyber attack, you're basically starting over. Um, so the smart thing is to plan for a cyber attack ahead of time. I know it sounds crazy and you probably think I don't need to plan for a cyber attack, uh, because it's never going to happen to me. Um, I challenge you to watch my YouTube channel because I cover that constantly, <laughs> um, that businesses are getting hit massively. But really, like I say on my YouTube videos all the time, just go on Google and type in cyber attack. Go click on the news at the top. It'll show you all the news articles. If you're really smart and really like Google, you can go into a tools and say, I only want to see the, the articles from the last week and take a look at all the, all the businesses that get hit in the last week. And if, and if you don't think that your business is a target in 2021, I got some news for you. You are. <laughs> so, so that's it for me. Uh, I thank everyone for their time and paying attention. Um, please remember to download our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure you rate us. It really helps us with, uh, other people finding this content. We're trying to help as many people as we can. We do this for free out of the goodness of our heart. We take time out of our busy schedules. So if you could just share out our stuff, we'd really appreciate it. Our goal is to help as many people as possible. And if you could help us reach that goal, we'd be forever grateful. Anything else you want to add uh, to our listening audience before we get out of here? Yeah, we have someone here in the comments that says uh, on YouTube that says if you plan for a hurricane or a snowstorm, it's equivalent to planning your business for a cyber attack. So just kind of like, you know, like here in Florida, like we keep, well, at least for me, I keep about, I don't know, 12 jugs of water in, in, our, in our garage. We keep, you know, cans of tuna, chips, peanut butter. And we just keep it in the house. So that way, if you ever have something that happens, you know, we, we know it's there. And right before it expires, we just, you know, eat it up and things like that. But so I, I think it's kind of a good analogy that was made there. That's a great analogy. So let me ask you this. 
I love using examples like this to prove a point, and I hope you prove my point when I ask this question. So most Floridians, I would have to say, at least from Orlando down anyway, um, Orlando South, are aware, fully aware of the threat that you guys live under with hurricanes, right? Right. Fair to say? So if you live in Florida and you have a massive hurricane come through and you're not prepared, like you mentioned, with all the things that you mentioned, generally speaking, and I know most people are nice in Florida, but generally speaking, like what is most people's attitudes when they might come across somebody who wasn't prepared and maybe they're like, oh, you know, help me out. Like, you know, I don't have water. I don't like what. What would happen if your neighbor came to you three days after a hurricane and was like, I'm out of water, Andre, can you help me out? And now you got to look at it and go, well, I only got six bottles left and I got a whole family here. Like what, what is, what is, what do most people think when, when something like that goes down? Hey, I mean, the truth, the truth is, yeah, the my, truth. Family, yeah my family eats or, or this person's family eat, and my family's going to eat. Right. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the truth. And that's my point, and that's what I figured would be the answer because the reality of it is if you're a business owner and you get hit with a cyber attack, you're going to be met with the same attitude. Nobody's going to feel bad for you. Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to be like, oh, you know, poor company went out of business because they were a cyber attack. It's going to be the complete opposite response. It's going to be, what an idiot. He didn't protect his company. You know what I mean? It, it, there's there's no empathy or sympathy to victims of cyber attacks when you can prepare for it ahead of time, just like you can prepare for a hurricane. And then if you're not prepared, you know, is it really, you know, number one, is it really good of you to put it on everybody else that you didn't prepare? Um, you know, that's how you need to look at things as a business owner. So. Um, I thank you, sir. Thank you for your insights. I think this was uh, immensely valuable. I look forward to our topic next week because um, I think we're just going to build on a lot of these things that we're talking about. And, uh, and you know, uh, we'll see everyone next week. I don't have anything else to say. You got anything else to say? No, nope, that's all. See you next week. Right. Appreciate it, Andre. We'll talk to everyone soon. And uh, look for this podcast to be posted uh, very soon. Again, you can always watch us on the Facebook uh, page or uh, the YouTube channel. They go on immediately, and we usually get the podcast up within a, a day or two of recording. So thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. See you next week.